0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and this podcast covers lifestyle, travel, entrepreneurship, mindset, and manifestation. Today, you have a solo episode coming at you. I am sharing my 30 lessons in 30 years. And you know what I wanted to do to kick off this episode was to really bring you guys behind the scenes. So, if you have been following me for a while, you know that I lived in Australia and then I moved to Germany to be with my boyfriend then my visa expired. So I had to come home. And now I'm going to go back to Germany in a month. But that means during this whole period of being home, I've been living with my parents while I wait to go back. So living at home, it is not easy to run your own business. It is not easy to do a podcast because there is so much commotion. I also have my sisters here right now. So we have like the dishwasher going, the laundry machines going, people are doing dishes in the back. Like There's just so much commotion. And on top of that, we have a dog. So there is just a lot going on that I've never had to deal with during the duration of running my podcast. I started this podcast when I lived alone in Chicago. And then I continued it throughout the last three years. And I've never had to run it with this many people around me. So I just wanted to give you guys behind the scenes of sometimes why I don't know, you might be hearing sounds in the back or why a podcast seems to be scheduled later or isn't coming out at a usual time. It's usually because I'm waiting until the house is dead silent and everybody's out of the house so I can record because if not, you will hear literally a circus in the background. So yeah, it's been an adjustment. It's Again, it's not easy to run a business when also what you do is very different, right? I'm a mindset coach. I do so much with energy and embodiment. I really use so many different gifts that I have that to come home where everybody is used to, you know, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a secretary, you're a nurse, you're just very traditional in what you do. It's weird to be back and, and explain my job. Like I went out last night and people were asking me what I do. And I realized I just have to say, it's basically like life coaching. And that seems to resonate with people. They understand that. But again, if I start getting into my courses and manifestation and energy work and all this stuff, it's just something that that people in my hometown haven't heard of, to be quite honest. So yeah, it's been a really, really eye-opening experience and also just running a business back home. Like I don't have my own true space. I don't have my own desk. I do a lot of work in my bed. I know that's not healthy. I would never tell my clients to do that. So it's not the easiest thing on earth, but I am going back to Germany in a month And I'm really trying to create structure so that I don't end up bringing in any of these habits that I have now to Germany. Like I don't want to be working in bed. I don't want to be podcasting late at night. I don't want to be doing all these things that I've kind of had to do over here. And yeah, it's not easy. So if anyone's lived with their parents and been home and trying to adjust running a business or podcasting, let me know any tips because I definitely need them. So today's podcast is all about 30 lessons I've learned in 30 years. I just turned 30 on Monday, February 1st, and I figured this was the perfect time to share these lessons because I have so many ideas, you all, that I want to do a podcast all the time, and then I get overwhelmed with all the ideas, and then I don't do it. So this podcast is actually, was really easy for me to draft up the 30 lessons because these are podcasts that I've had in my mind forever, and I'm like, wait, I could just put these lessons into one big episode. So yeah, 30 lessons in 30 years I am going to share so many different things, and then I'll add a little blurb to each of the rules. Now, before we do that, I wanted to talk about my next masterclass coming up, which is called Lover. This launches February 11th, and it's just one day long. It's actually just two hours long, and it's a masterclass. So Lover is all about getting closer to yourself in love and a partnership. So this is not just for single women. This is not just for if you're in a relationship. This does apply to anybody that is just looking to enhance their own self-love or their partnership through self-love. Now, this is one of the last group programs I'm running running until late spring, as after that, I'm opening up my one-on-one enrollment, and I'm only taking on six women. I love one-on-one. I feel like it's where I thrive best right now. I feel like I do my best work in a one-on-one setting. And so I'm really focusing on structuring my business to handle one-on-one. And then once that is all set up and running smoothly, then I'll open up group programs again. But right now that is not my main focus. So Lover really is one of the last master classes that's a group setting that I'll be doing until probably late spring. So if you're interested in Lover, we are going through love languages, we're writing forgiveness letters to our past selves, we're going to create your ideal love story and map out how to actually make that happen. And we're also going to cover things that are really going on in in everyday life right now, right? Like if you're in a partnership, you might be living on top of your partner and you guys are sick of each other, or you're trying to date, but you're in the middle of a lockdown. So how could you possibly go on dates? So we are going to address this. We're going to address COVID and the pandemic. And how to navigate love and finding relationships or enhancing your current one while dealing with literally traumatic experiences going on globally. So, this is all gonna be covered, and you're gonna leave with very actionable items and integration practices. So, I am big, big, big on integration. I have now taken, I'm probably not kidding, like 20 courses in the last six months. And the courses that I learn best from are where the coaches or teachers actually give us homework or things to do and say, report back or try this tomorrow, or let's do this right now. I don't work well with just being lectured and then hoping that I figure it out and it sticks. So I'm teaching in the way of let's try to embody and integrate what we are learning, and that is very much going to be a part of Lover. So you will have your own action items to leave with, your own specific steps to take, and then you can integrate them how you see fit, but it's not just gonna be a lecture and talking. There's gonna be also a Q&A at the end, and you guys will have lifetime access to this. So you can go back and watch the replay however many times you want. You can just sit there and rewatch and really take notes again. This is not gonna be something that is just one time and you won't have access to. Like I said, you will get access to that replay. So yeah, lover February 11th, it's going to be five to 7pm EST. That is the live class. If you want to sign up and you can't make it, I encourage you to sign up because you can watch the replay, but I'm not selling this as a replay after the class. I really don't like selling replays. I've talked about this before. I feel like I get this download and I have the energy to transmute it into the group. And I want that group to have that specific message. I don't really like selling replays because then it, to me, it almost compromises the intimacy of the group because we started sharing a lot. I mean, in Self-Care Queen, we were crying. We were sharing our souls with each other. We were getting deep, and it just felt weird to then all of a sudden sell that as a product after the fact. So I wanted to explain why I don't really love selling replays. So yeah, Lover is not going to be sold as a replay, but it will have the replay option available. I will link it in the show notes, and you can always find it on my website or in my Instagram bio. So that's coming up. And then right after that, I will be launching my one-on-one enrollment, which I will be talking about more in the next few weeks. All right, let's dive straight into it. The 30 lessons I have learned in 30 years. Lesson number one is the golden rule that we learned in kindergarten still holds up with even more weight in adulthood. I cannot express how much the golden rule has changed my life. And this is just the rule of what you want others to treat you like is how you should treat others or treat others how you want to be treated. That's how that's the more concise one. I have learned this in my relationship more than anything, especially during the pandemic in lockdown in Germany. We can't go anywhere and we are on top of each other. And so my boyfriend is in school and I have my online business. So we're always constantly on Zoom calls and phone calls and trying to navigate being online. And I remember we had a conversation where he was like, hey, when I'm on my calls, could you just go work in the kitchen and then we can switch? And my old self would have been like, oh, you want me to work in the kitchen? Like, why don't you go work in the kitchen and just being like bratty about it? And it's so silly because it's like, well, wait, if I wanted him to give up the room for me to take my one-on-one calls, I would hope that he would also go in the kitchen. So that's a very specific example. And I'm going to be giving specific examples throughout this whole entire podcast, but it just made me realize, yeah, if I want him to do that for me, then I should do that for him. If I want him to treat me this way, I should treat him that way as well. So this really helped a lot in my relationship. This is also a great conversation um, around arguments. Like if you don't want your partner to hit below the belt or call you a name or bring things up from the past, then you shouldn't be doing that either. Like truly treat others how you want to be treated. This goes the same thing for clients. If you want your clients to be respectful on time, paying on time, showing up, are you doing that in the programs that you're in? If you want to be... I don't know, spoken to in a different way by your friends. Are you speaking to them in the way that you want to be spoken to? So yeah, this concept is very simple, but I think we all kind of lost it at some point. Maybe not all of us, but I know I was just like, oh, I want everybody to treat me a certain way, but I really had to look inward and say, am I treating them the same way? So number one, the golden rule we learned in kindergarten is just as important as it is today. Treat others how you want to be treated. Number two is the less you speak up, the more trapped emotions come in your body, become in your body. So I am learning so much about embodiment work. If you're uh, curious what this is, I would highly recommend going to watch the Goop Lab on Netflix, Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop Lab. There's a whole episode on how trauma gets stored in your tissue and the body. And I actually knew this from yoga. They would always say when you do pigeon pose, you may release emotions, you may start crying. And I always never understood that. I was like, why would you be crying in the middle of yoga? And I, I heard it. I just didn't understand it. And then when I watched Goop Lab, I was like, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Now I started learning more and more about this embodiment work and embody means basically in your body. So when I started to notice when I didn't speak up about something, and this is for really anything, like whether that's when you're angry, right? And you don't speak up and you just let it fester. And then all of a sudden, you your chest becomes red or your palms start sweating, or then you blow up at somebody else later. Those emotions just stay trapped in your body and then they come out in a way that you don't want them to. Think about too when you like randomly wake up in a bad mood or you just start snapping at someone for no reason. And you're like, I don't even know where this is coming from. It's usually because something that you didn't speak up on before got trapped somewhere in your body. And now it just wants to be released and is being misdirected at the the wrong person. Now, not only that, but it actually starts to truly affect your health. I remember in college, not in college, right after college, I was getting crazy, crazy skin rashes. And I'm going to do a whole episode on my health soon. But I always thought that it was just random. I thought it was like, I don't know, the weather, something going on. I had an allergy. But they were so common, and I couldn't understand why they were happening because I didn't feel like I was a super unhealthy person. I wasn't using like weird laundry detergent. I couldn't pinpoint what was going on. And now looking back and understanding more about how thoughts and emotions become trapped in your body, I think that's because I was truly living – in a life that I wasn't aligned with me. And I was doing a lot of work with clients that I kind of just had to like suck it up and do what they said. And so it was a lot of like not speaking up and not really expressing my truth. And that became so trapped in my body. I do think that's a reason why I had so many Rashes. This also really applied to dating. I didn't have any standards with dating. I was like, whatever, I'll, you know, whoever, I'll date them. And I think because of all the emotions I truly felt and was just scared to speak them, that would show up in the form of skin rashes. So that's another very specific example. But I really do think if you want to speak up and use your throat chakra to get a little woo woo here, that will really help you in not having emotions trapped in your body. I've not had a skin rash now in two years. And you know, what's crazy is about two years ago is when I quit my job and started living life on my own terms. So I don't really think that's coincidental. I think that's because I started listening to myself and speaking my truth. And I haven't had any sickness in the last I'm not kidding, two years. I did catch COVID, but I had a very mild version of it. I just swear I didn't even have it. So not saying that helped or not. But I do think it's very Uh, obvious that the more I spoke up and listened to my body and what I wanted to say, the less sick I was. So this is a huge lesson. Step number, not step number three, lesson number three is stop downplaying your powers, your success and your intelligence. I see so many people and especially women completely downplaying, discrediting their intelligence all the time, either calling themselves or their products like dirt cheap or not that great or beginner when they're actually amazing products that should be expensive or they're amazing products or offers that are wildly brilliant or people saying things like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, What else? Like, yeah, I don't know. I just started. I'm not sure I'm ready. And I get that, right? Like I deal with this all the time. We all have insecurity, but now that I've been doing my work for, I mean, my business will be one years old, one year old in May or June, and I constantly work with women around self-doubt and self-esteem. It is uh, it is actually sad for me to see how many people downplay their intelligence. I have women come to me all the time saying, Oh, I want a new job, but I don't think I'm qualified for this new job. And then I'm like, okay, let's go through what you've been qualified or what do you think you're qualified for? And all of a sudden they'll list their skill set. And it's like they're a pro at graphic design. They know how to run software. They know Google Analytics. They're basically like a whole team in their head and on paper. And then when they go to look at the job, they think they see one bullet point that doesn't align with what they do. And they completely throw their own application in the trash. And it blows my mind because I'm like, wait, what? No, no, no. Look, you've had a job like this before. You absolutely are qualified for this. And if not, you would figure it out because you're intelligent and you're smart. And when have you ever failed at anything? And I know this is a human condition where we can do 10 things right, but if we do one thing wrong, we will only harp on the one thing that's wrong. That is a very, very natural human reaction. And I know that it comes up a lot with women because we're so conditioned to like downplay our powers. And you know, we're just now we're seeing this huge movement of women women stepping into leadership roles and really owning their gifts and just showing the fuck up online. And I, I love it. I love seeing this wave of like women stepping up. And I learned when I stopped down, when I was downplaying my own intelligence and powers, that is another way that I was basically knocking down my own confidence or self esteem. Like I was hurting myself by downplaying it. So, for example, I'll, I'll, like I said, I'm gonna use specific examples. Using my voice on this podcast is a gift I have, and I know it's a power. A few months ago, even, I had so many people telling me, Your podcast has helped me i you know, I'm changing so many habits from listening. Thank you so much. And I would downplay it like, Oh, you know, my little old podcast, or oh my gosh, that's so sweet. Thanks. But I, it's so crazy listening back to my voice. I don't even think it's that great. Right. That's an example of like downplaying my power. Now I understand from many years now of doing this and hearing the feedback and truly listening back to what I have to say, that this is a gift I have this is something that is successful and this is something that really comes naturally to me. So I'm not downplaying it anymore. I know my voice is soothing. I know what I have to say is important and I know this podcast helps people. So I'm going to stop pretending that it doesn't. That's the, that's actually one of the biggest ones I think in all these 30 lessons. So yeah, stop dang, stop downplaying your powers, your success and your intelligence. Lesson four, investing in yourself, especially mental health is one of the most important investments you'll ever make. You guys have heard this podcast. Uh, Maybe you haven't, but if you haven't heard this podcast, let me rephrase this. If you have listened to this podcast before, I talk a lot, a lot, a lot about how when I went to therapy, my life changed. I was living uh, in a high rise in Chicago, making so much money, like on paper, just balling out, you know, going out every week and socializing. And it was very fun, but I felt very, like, I don't even know what the word is inside, incomplete or miserable and it would just again it would show up in these skin rashes and mental breakdowns and crying out of nowhere and dating really awful guys and so I started going to therapy that year in therapy changed the trajectory of my life that's when I started journaling that's when I started reframing things that's when I understood that your thoughts are not facts and you do have the power to change them i never knew that <laughs> i thought like your thoughts were facts and that you were thinking them so they must be true and it wasn't It's not true. So investing in that therapy every week was one of the best investments I made. And it wasn't easy, right? I was like, oh, I could use this money on a gym membership or clothes or travel or nails or whatever the hell else I was spending my money on. And I was resisting it. I was like, oh, I don't need therapy. I don't need to do this. But it ended up being one of the most life-changing experiences. So I do recommend investing in your mental health or yourself in some level. Whether that is a trainer, a coach, a mentor, a program, a course, something, because I am telling you it will pay off. It's actually such a compliment when people tell me, I love your energy, because I'm like, you have no idea all the work, the money, the time, the effort that I have spent in the last basically six years now putting into my own energy. I've invested tens of thousands of dollars into myself. So when people say, I love your energy, it wasn't, it's not an accident that I've worked on my energy or that my energy is different. It is because I've invested in myself. I've become more self-aware. I understand the tools I need to use and it is paid off for the rest of my life. I don't even look at the money anymore. I was like, Oh my gosh, should I make that back or not? I'm like, no, look at who I was six years ago and who I am now. They are very different people. They operate from very different belief systems." they treat themselves better, they have a higher standard for themselves. Like I almost don't recognize who I was in 2016, 2015, because I was I had such different beliefs and perspectives. And I truly thought that's just how I was. So investing in myself became ultimately one of the absolute best investments I've ever made. And I will do a whole post on what I've invested in. You can find one actually on both I think my podcast and my personal page. But I've invested in like personal trainers. Um, coaching, mentors, mediums, healers, the whole works. I've invested a lot of money into that stuff and I don't regret any of it. Number five, when you start to heal and love yourself, the world seems to shift in your favor. Again, going back to kind of point four, when I wasn't working on myself and trying to heal myself or love myself, then it seemed like everything was going wrong. Like I would date a bad guy, a contract would fall through, something would happen in my house, something would break and it just felt like everything was always going bad. When I started working on myself and healing and loving myself, it seemed like everything started shifting, like a contract would come through, a nice guy would come in my life. Um, I don't know, The nothing seemed to happen in my house, my health would be going well. And it just started to seem like the world was kind of conspiring in my favor. And it was so, so interesting to watch. And it's a very, very huge lesson in when you heal and love yourself, the world will shift in your favor because you are operating from that standard. Like you love yourself. And so you'll seek out opportunities to prove that you love yourself. You'll seek out relationships that match the love that you have for yourself. You'll seek out work that seems to match the level of standards that you've set in place for your own level of work, right? Basically like you start matching and attracting what you've healed and loved about yourself. And the world does seem to conspire with you. So again, when I started working with myself and all these things started happening for me, and I'll use Australia as the example, like getting to Australia, getting the visa, getting over there, getting an apartment on the beach, getting jobs so easily, that wasn't coincidence. That was because I had worked on myself so much and my mindset and my inner work that it was easy for me to start doing that stuff because I had learned all the tools and the things that I needed to do where again, if I think of I would have gone to Australia like five years ago, I don't know that I would have had the same experience. So yes, number five, when you start to heal and love yourself, the world seems to shift in your favor. Lesson number six, energy is everything. Energy is everything. This one I'm going to keep short and sweet. Energy is not only everything in terms of relationships, but like everything truly is energy. Money is energy. Love is an energy speaking is an energy. Your presence is an energy, right? Like this is why, uh, hold on, I'm going to get a little philosophical here, but like, this is why when you build your house and you start painting and, and making different colors in the rooms and, and putting your bed in a certain place and like moving the plants around is because you feel an energy in the room that you want to reflect, or you want to feel some type of way when you walk in that room. Same thing for money you you get a huge amount of money your energy changes or you feel weird or something happens again energy isn't i'm not even talking about it in like good or bad terms it's just energy is in everything when someone walks into a room and they have this major presence and you're like whoa like who is that their energy is what created that presence so once i learned that really everything is energy and any and energy is everything that's when I started working on my own energy. I was like, well, what type of energy do I want to have? What type of energy do I want to bring to the table? What type of energy do I want people to speak about when I walk away? That's really important. I don't want people to think I'm one way up front and one way somewhere else. Wow, well, thunderstorm going on. I don't know if you can hear this. Lovely, lovely day to podcast right in the middle of a thunderstorm. So just ignore that. But yes, number six, energy is everything. And this really ties to number four of investing in yourself. Your energy will change when you invest in yourself because you're integrating into a new energy field. When I invest in a coach, it's because I want to be in their energy field and something in my mind and body and subconscious is like, let's go. Like you are upgrading your energy field now. And that is why I love investing in myself because I know my energy changes. So number six, energy is everything. Number seven, love this one. If you're going to talk the talk, then you need to walk the walk. This is basically what embodiment means and living in integrity, in my opinion, in my non-expert opinion. I think this is so important when especially it comes to coaching. If I'm hiring a business coach, I'm like, have you run a business? Like, have you run truly a successful business and you didn't just learn it from like one person and have one client? Like, do you understand business? If you are a, I don't know, I'm thinking of so many different coaches now. Let's say a relationship coach. If you're a relationship coach, are you in a healthy relationship and can speak to the dynamics of relationships and the, the ins and outs of relationships? Or did you just read one book on relationships and now you think you can talk about them? So when I talk about being embodied in my work, it means I have learned the lesson, I am living it, and now I'm teaching it. And I talk about this on a few podcasts that are coming up, but also sometimes on my Instagram is like, I don't teach anything that I haven't walked the walk and talked the talk around. That's why you all have never heard me talk about or like release... um, I don't know, like an interior design course, right? I don't know shit about interior design. I don't know anything about colors and palettes and shapes or anything. So I'm not going to teach you how to make your room a beautiful space and do a whole course on that. Could I? Yeah. Could I take a quick interior design class online, watch a few YouTube videos, listen to a few podcasts, Google some things and get on Pinterest? Of course. But to me, that's not being embodied. And that's when I invest in a coach or a course or anything. I'm like, Are they actually walking the walk and talking the talk? This is also really big with something I'm going through right now with money and healing. I am going through a deep, deep healing journey with money right now. And for me, it's very important to get get out of this on the other side and master it and understand the lessons so that if I am to teach a course or anything around money, that I have gone through talking the talk and walking the walk right? Again, I could teach you guys a money course right now, but I would be out of integrity and doing you a disservice if I hadn't mastered these lessons myself, because then I'm just trying to make a quick buck. And for me, I don't want to make a quick buck. I want to be so embodied in my work that I live, eat, sleep, and breathe it. So this is really big to me that if you're going to talk the talk, then walk the walk. I'm using coaching as an example, but I think this for everything. Like if you're going to talk the talk, Around being, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm a great coworker. Like, are you being a great, or if you're talking to talk about you want a great coworker, you want a better work environment, are you being a good worker? Are you showing up with a positive attitude? Are you being the, a helpful, patient person? Because if not, then how is it, how are you going to make the work more positive and environment and the environment more positive if you're not doing that too? This kind of going back to number one of like treat others how you want to be treated, but also like, act the way that you want others to act around you. So again, number seven, if you're going to talk the talk, then walk the walk. Number eight, boundaries are not meant to hurt people. They are meant to honor yourself. When you set boundaries, that word I know can feel harsh. I like to use the term energetic agreements. What am I agreeing to energetically? I used to think this was very bitchy or mean, or I thought boundaries meant you had to cut people off, have a really hard conversation, like let them know to fuck off and you were blocking them. That's not the case. Boundaries are just meant to honor yourself. So I learned a boundary that I have is around, let's use the money one, I'm going through so much money healing that even talking about money right now with my family or my boyfriend or anything can be a bit triggering. Now, I'm not saying, oh, don't like leave me in my own bubble and don't talk to me about it, but there are certain things that trigger me and so I need to set a boundary of like, don't ask me about my financial investments right now, because it is something that I'm working through. And I don't want, (laughs) I don't want your opinion to trigger me and cause me to go in this like shame or guilt spiral. And so now I have a boundary with certain people in my life where it's like, we don't talk about that. This is actually very timely for like political conversations. If you and your friend have wildly different political views, and you know, obviously that either of you are not going to just change your stance. Well, then you need to set a boundary with each other. Hey, I love you, but when we go to dinner, please don't, like, let's just try not to bring up politics because we know we're gonna clash. This actually was something I had to do with my boyfriend too. We, this is like right in the middle of like all the shit going on in January with the inauguration, the the capital attack, everything going on. And he was trying to understand what was going on and just kept sending me all these political videos. And I was in such a bad headspace with like, I was on my period. I was going through a lot with work, all this shit going on in America. And me being here is a lot different than when I was watching this all from abroad. And it was really affecting my mental health. So when my boyfriend was sending me all these videos, I was like, I need you to just understand that I'm not in the headspace right now to watch these videos and like walk you through what's going on because I am, I I can't handle it. My like I'm gonna have a breakdown, so that was me setting a boundary. Was that meant to hurt him or make him feel bad? No, that was for me to not like get mad at him or blow up on him, right? So it's meant to honor yourself. You can do set boundaries in very different ways right you can you can mute somebody, you can unfollow, unfriend them, you can block them, you can have a conversation, and you can create hours that you work, right like a boundary at work could be I don't work past five thirty p m and you honor that boundary by not sending an email after 5.30, closing your laptop at 5.30, planning an activity that has nothing to do with work at 5.30 or after 5.30. That's a way to set a boundary too. So again, when you can start looking at in these in this context, you can realize that this is not meant to hurt people. This is actually just meant to honor yourself. So that's number eight. Number nine, money is a charged topic that I wish was talked about way more in schools and online. I've been talking about this now for the last few minutes, but I was always kind of in an autopilot relationship with money. Like, oh yeah, make it, have enough money to pay my bills and then spend it. Make it, pay the bills, spend it. Sometimes make a little more money on, you know, birthdays, holidays, whatever. And sometimes go a little too crazy on the weekends and get too low on money and freak out and have to ask parents or someone to send you money or tighten up on going out that weekend. That was like how I operated. I was like, oh yeah, that's how money works. The more I started to recognize my spending habits and patterns, this happened a lot when I was in um uh, my corporate American job making a shit ton of money where I would make all this money, but then like at the end of the month have nothing to show for it. And I was like, where did my money go? Like, where is my money? And then I was just like, oh, whatever. Well, I'm making more, so I'm spending more. Like, yeah, duh, I'm going to spend on myself. I made money. Now, when I started my business, money became a whole new world. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. When you are charging rates, when you are the one that's generating money from your own essence, your voice, your personality, it becomes a whole different ballgame in my eyes. I just thought, Oh, yeah, well, you know, I did this once in corporate America, of course, I can transfer all these skills to my business. But it's different in corporate America, my employer was paying me, my clients were paying me, I had a payroll, you know, I was on payroll, I got paid every two weeks with money and me generating it from my what I put out there. It just became this whole different perspective. And it became very charged, like it became a very emotional thing of whoa, why am I spending like this? Or why am I not saving? Or why is this racking up to this amount? And it became such an emotional topic that I was like, why is this not talked about in school? Why are we not actually taking a whole like financial literacy class in school? I remember we talked about budgeting for like, one day in my high school, I'm having like a very brief flashback where it was basically how to balance your books. And we had like a fake checkbook and fake budget sheet. And we did that. And like, that was the only time we talked about it. Never discussed it again in college at work, nothing like never, ever again. And then we're all just supposed to be like financially literate and understand savings and 401ks and saving for taxes and all these things that I never really felt like was discussed as much as I would like it to be. So if this is a learning lesson, it is too Is actually to educate yourself on finances, to just learn the language of money, of what it means, how to use it, how to invest it, how to save it. Like there are so many things that money can do for you. And again, I used to operate from like, oh yeah, you just make it, you pay your bills, and then you spend it on whatever you want to spend it on. And now it's a whole new world. So I really recommend becoming financially literate as early as you can and really putting into practice what you learn. So that's number nine. Number 10, your worth is not measured by anything, including productivity. You are worthy because you are point blank, period. This is going to be a really hard one for anybody to swallow that especially comes from a corporate background where we are conditioned and trained to think that if we work 40 hours plus a week, then we are going to get a beautiful reward at the end. And we do get rewards at the end. I remember at my old job, we had a screen that showed how many calls we booked, how many emails we sent, how many opportunities were in our system, et cetera. Now that makes sense for what I was doing. I was in sales, right? So they wanted to motivate us with like kind of internal competition of, okay, well, I want to book 10 calls and then I'll be the number one person on the leaderboard. So of course, to book 10 calls, you have to send more emails and you have to do more work. So Not that's not always necessarily true, right? There's softwares that can help you out. You can outsource and do all this stuff. But I started measuring my productivity as my identity. If I worked 40 plus hours a week, I was an amazing person. If I worked, I don't know, if I had a bad day and I was just working like half the day and just dicking around for the rest of the day, I'm a I was a lazy, awful person. And that's how I operated, like that set of beliefs was how I operated for most of my 20s being in a corporate American job. And then I noticed that was the language that everybody used. You were rewarded for not taking your lunch break or coming in earlier or leaving later. It was like cool to say that you totally forgot to eat lunch or go to the bathroom. It was awesome if you clocked 70 hours a week or you touted how many hours you worked. And I didn't realize how bad it was until I left America and went to Australia, which If anyone's listening and has been in a corporate lifestyle and gone to Australia, they will absolutely understand this, that Australians seem lazy because they don't operate like that. Like their hours and a corporate job are like 10 to 4, take as long a lunch break as you want, only come in a few days a week we don't know who's who we don't know who's where like there's actually a lot of lack of structure that i find i struggled with in australia and my clients i have a few clients in australia they struggle with this too they're like there's no structure and i'm like you know why because we were so trained to work 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 like dogs that if we don't do that in australia we think we're lazy and then i just notice In the entrepreneurship and coaching world as well, that this is how people measure their success too. Like, how many hours can you put in? How many days a week can you work? Like, how much can you go, go, go? And that is how we measure identity. I'm here to tell you, you are not gonna be on your deathbed and look back and say, wow, I worked 80 hours a week. I am so happy with myself. No one is gonna be like, wow, I love Chelsea because she worked 70 hours a week. She's such an amazing person. Or, you know what? I'm gonna give more to Chelsea. Because she she literally works herself to the bone and gets sick like that is not a thing, (laughs) that is just not a thing, right? It's it's so obvious, but we really need to understand that your worth is not measured by your productivity. You are worthy because you're born. There's this whole concept of like being worthy or unworthy, and I don't even really know where it came from. Because it's like if you're here on planet Earth, if you are taking a breath every morning, if you have all everything intact, if you're just waking up, you're worthy. So whoever's like, I actually would love to know like where the topic of unworthiness came from because it's such an odd concept because we're all worthy because we are. We are, period. Like you don't, you don't need to work at like 10 things and then you become worthy. You don't need to get 20 certifications and then you become worthy. You're worthy because you are, period. That's number 10. Number 11, beating yourself up is a waste of energy and there's no reward for it this is so, so big because I am still learning this lesson, going back to number 10 of like basing my worth on productivity. I used to beat myself up so badly that I remember our COO came into town to visit one day. I worked in the Chicago office and he actually said, wow, I think you really, you should stop being so hard on yourself. And I was like, how can you even tell I'm hard on myself? And you know why? It's because I came to the meeting and you know what I did? I did what I said in number three, I downplayed all my success because I hadn't hit a certain income goal. I then thought I was a total waste of space at the office. I thought I was not an asset to the team. I thought, yeah, you know, I booked X amount of sales, but I didn't book the big one. And I really was beating myself up. Like, God, you need to work harder. You need to get smarter. You need to work more efficiently. And my COO, right? This guy is the basically top level of the company. Notice this. And he was like, you really need to work on addressing and acknowledging your successes, because if you are only going to measure yourself by the sales you book, you're never going to feel rewarded. You're never going to feel complete. And that was a big eye opener because I was like, wow, the fact that this guy can see that I'm beating myself up and he doesn't talk to me on a daily basis must mean that it's pretty obvious this is something I still am learning, okay? This is this is not necessarily a list of things I've mastered. These are just learning lessons that I'm still working on. And just the other day for my birthday, I got a medium reading. If anyone's familiar with them, you can either go and ask specific questions that you want guidance on or kind of just let them talk to you with what's coming up from the spirit world. So I got a medium reading and I remember thinking, well, usually I have questions about career and love and finances but I don't feel that way right now. Like I feel like I have a good grip on some of those things. So I kind of want to ask her about beating myself up. Do you know what she said? The first thing when I sat down was within the first two minutes, she said, what I'm hearing is that you need to give yourself the credit you deserve and you really need to stop being so hard on yourself. And I was like, Whoa, that's crazy because that's what I was thinking of as I was walking over to this place. And it showed me what a waste of energy, right? You don't get a reward for beating yourself up. I'm not getting rewarded right now for being the most beat up version of myself. I don't get a praise if I beat myself up more. So this is a really really big lesson that beating yourself up and constantly talking shit about yourself is the biggest waste of energy because there is zero reward for it. You're not going to get recognized, you won't get a trophy. You're actually just continuing to hurt yourself more and more and more. So that is number 11. 12 Therapy is key and something to prioritize. This one I'm going to keep short and simple. Therapy will change your life. I think I say this all the time. I think every person on earth should have a therapist. No one on earth has every single aspect of their life figured out. There's something called the wheel of life. I would encourage you to look at it. That basically shows you the pillars of your life that are like health, spirituality, finances, love, career, etc. Very rarely does someone have all that figured out, right? And this is why I don't like the idea of like being perfect or or idolizing people that we think are perfect because everybody has their own shit. Every single person has something that they're going through. So, therapy is a place where you can just go dump your thoughts and your process on this person and they will make it a priority to talk it out with you. So, this is why I like therapy too because a lot of times we unload on our partners, our family, our coworkers. And we don't even realize it, that we're just dumping all these things onto them. If you prioritize therapy, you get to talk to someone that actually wants to help you. And they want to listen to you. And they can hear you vent for 45, 50 minutes and just talk, talk, talk. And they are going to help you through it. Where usually a coworker, a friend, a boyfriend, whatever, is going to either maybe challenge you or they don't want to upset you. So they'll just agree with you. And I actually don't really think that's healthy. I don't think that's the healthiest way to process it. So I really recommend therapy. I'm currently on betterhelp.com, it's an online one. I did have to change my first therapist. I don't think we clicked. I always say is like dating, you should find one that you click with. But the second one I really like, and she's been really helpful in, in helping me address confrontation, boundaries, conflict resolution, all these things. So I really, really, I can't stress this enough that therapy is something you definitely should prioritize even if it's only once a month, really trying to keep it in your life or or add it to your life will be so helpful. Now, one quick note on this too, a lot of people think therapy is only if you're going through something big. My therapist taught me when I went to therapy and I felt like I had, you know, quote unquote, nothing to talk about. Those were actually the best times to go because we were really getting to the deeper layers. When I would go and say, oh, I'm having a problem with this person or this boy or this thing at work then we could only talk about that specific thing for that time frame. But when I was like, oh, actually everything seems to be going fine. It's like, okay, well now we can get to the deeper issues. Like what's really going on? What's coming up from your childhood? Where did you learn this? Why do you react like that? And that was when I learned how key therapy is. So I love therapy and I really recommend prioritizing it. 13, your health means more than anything. It doesn't matter if you can ball out, if you can't even walk or breathe or stand or see or smell, right? This is so big because this is a very American thing. I know I have listeners from all over now, but this is something that you may be able to relate to that we are conditioned to work, 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 and then you can chill out and relax when you retire. But if you are working yourself to the bone, you don't get proper sleep, you have poor nutrition, you don't do anything for self-care, you don't do anything to fill up your cup, what on God's earth would be the point of retiring if your health is like shit? And then now you have to spend all your retirement money on like hospital bills. And not only that, let's say you're fine. if you can't properly walk. If you're having trouble breathing, if you're having trouble, I don't even know, like getting out of bed, then what the fuck would be the point of retiring and traveling right you can't you can't go on a yacht and a boat if you are like i don't know getting seasick all the time because your health is so bad or you can't go travel europe and climb mountains and walk around and explore if you know you've never taken care of the knee issue that you've had since you were 21 right these are all things that we all think oh it doesn't matter it'll we'll get better it'll we'll go away no if you don't take care of it now and prioritize your health all the money and the trips that you're planning and all the things that you're doing won't fucking matter. I'm getting so fired up about this one because I see it all the time. People wait and wait and wait and wait to prioritize their health. Then they get older and they're like, "Wait, I wanted to go to Europe, but I like can can barely walk, or I can't even get on a plane because I have crazy anxiety, or I actually can't even socialize with people because I I, I don't know I'm going through something." And I'm like, "Wow." If we all prioritize our health, and I'm talking about like mental, 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 physical, and emotional, then you would not have to worry about all the issues that are going to come later. So again, it just doesn't matter if you can fall out if you like can't even walk or breathe when you're older. So really try to prioritize your health. Number 14, you are allowed to change your mind. I had the biggest issue with this one. I thought once I made my mind up about something, I had to stick with it or people would think I'm crazy. This actually goes back to the one where I talked about not speaking up. Just because you make a decision doesn't mean you can't change your mind. Now, of course, this exists on different scales of privilege and levels, right? Like if you and your partner decide, okay, this is the home we're going to move in and we like are putting all our money into it. We've been saving, we're putting our down payment, we're ready to go. And then a day later, you're like, Actually, no. And you just signed all the contracts and paid all that money. Obviously, I'm talking uh, like that's going to be very different than if you're allowed to change your mind on like what you're talking about online or what job you work at, or even like I don't even know, like your bed sheets, right? It doesn't matter. You're allowed to change your mind. Now, the caveat here is that this goes back to being an integrity, right? So, why are you changing your mind all the time? I would ask you to ask yourself that. If you are someone that's changing your mind all the time, that might actually be a deeper insight into, are you not listening to yourself from the beginning? So that's actually something that I realize is like, actually, I think I'm changing my mind all the time because I agreed to something I didn't want to do, or I said yes to something that was people pleasing, or I thought people would get mad at me, and now I'm changing my mind, and now I don't want to do it. Well, then actually, I'm changing my mind because I just didn't listen to myself from the jump. So you're allowed to change your mind. And if you are changing your mind often, I would be more inquisitive of why that's happening. Number 15, stop putting people on pedestals. Oh my gosh. This lesson to me, I'm going to do like a whole Instagram TV and maybe even podcast about this. The moment you can take people off a pedestal, you will see your world change. People always ask me, oh my gosh, how have you been able to book these bigger guests like Gabby Bernstein and Lauren Everts and you know all these amazing women that I've had on? And you know why? Because they're human. Lauren and Gabby have to wake up every morning, right? They have to feed themselves. They go to the bathroom. They shit. They get their periods. They have bad days. They get depressed. They get in fights with their partners. They have financial issues, right? Like they're human. And so when I email these people and ask them to be on my podcast, I'm like, Could they say no because they're simply too busy? Yeah, of course. But I'm not going to put them on this pedestal like they're the gods of the universe that are untouchable and who, oh, little old me, you know, little peasant can't talk to them. Like, no. Everybody, like, everybody is all, I always talk about this, like everybody's going through something. So if you put them on a pedestal, you're actually dehumanizing them. You're actually making them a god in your eyes when they shouldn't be. They're a human. So here's another example. I asked one of my clients who's someone that she really looks up to and what would she do if they asked her to be a guest in her program? And she was like, oh my gosh, I wouldn't even believe that they were asking me. Like, why would they ask me? Why would that happen? Like, why would that person ever want me to be in their program or like guest speak? And I just it was such an eye-opening exercise because I was like, wow, she really puts this woman on a pedestal that this woman is like un, an untouchable God that lives in outer space that can't be touched. And I'm like, this woman goes through the same shit we do. This woman has a business as well. She's just 10 plus years ahead of us. This woman goes through the struggles that humans go to. So by you putting her on this pedestal, you're actually telling her that she's not allowed to be human and she has to be perfect. So when you put people on pedestals, you're not only making them uh, almost like forcing them to act in this perfect light that you're actually going to get disappointed if they do something that you disagree with, right? This happened so much this year when all the social justice stuff started popping up, when all the political movements started popping up and all these people that people idolized, right? They put them on pedestals, starting acting differently than them or disagreeing with them. They were like, Whoa, I I look at this person so differently now. And they were actually having like an ego and identity death. I was like, yeah, because you put that person on a pedestal. You can see I'm getting like fired up about this because I'm like, no one is above you and no one is below you. As soon as you can get that in your head, I'm telling you, your world will change. If you listen to this podcast and you put me on a pedestal, take me off right now. I'm a human. I go through shit. I have really bad days. I have really Complicated relationships, and I also have really good relationships, and I also have really good days, and I also have an amazing life. And some days, I feel like the world is ending. Right? I'm a human, so if you're listening to this or any podcast or follow anybody, and you're putting them on a pedestal, take them off and make them human, human again. We're all humans. Number sixteen. Don't ask questions that you don't want answers to. Woo! (laughs) I'm laughing at this one. I learned this one the hard way, and this one specifically comes up to me for relationships. So I used to ask questions like, oh, how many people have you slept with? Tell me more about your ex-girlfriend. What's the worst thing you've ever done to somebody? Have you ever cheated on anybody? And then they would tell me the answer and I wouldn't like the answer and it would cause a huge fight. And it was like, well, you had to know that the answer would be one thing or the other. So why would I ask that? And this one pops up a lot with the like, who have you slept with question or how many people have you slept with? What type of question is that, right? Like that doesn't really add anything to the relationship and it doesn't enhance the relationship. And either way they answer, you're not gonna like it. If they tell you I don't want to tell you, now you're gonna put them in this whole box of like, oh my god, they must have done really fucked up things and slept with all these people. Or they tell you they have slept with a lot of people and you're like, oh my gosh, they're they're gross. They slept with so many people and you start like slut shaming them. Or they say, Well, I've only slept with one or two people. And then you're like, oh my God, did, were they in love with those one or two people? Like, how how did they only sleep with one or two people? They must still be obsessed with them. This used to happen to me all the time. And so this is a big lesson I learned is do not ask questions that you don't want answers to. As soon as you start asking a question, and you know, right, you know, okay, well, it could be this and I don't, I'm not going to like it if it's that answer, then don't ask it. This is a really simple concept, but a really hard one. But I highly encourage you to stop asking questions that you don't want to hear the answer to. 17, do not seek advice from people who haven't been in your shoes before. This is the same thing as asking somebody for directions to a place they've never been. This one has really come up a lot for me with business and asking people who have never run a business, never been a coach, never launched a course, never worked with one-on-one clients. I'm not gonna ask them for advice and hope that they somehow have the answer even though they've never experienced it. That truly doesn't make sense. Again, it's like asking somebody how do you get to X point? And they have never been to X point, but you're trusting their opinion. So this, this again, came up really heavily for me with business, that this is the same thing for like relationships. Are you seeking advice from someone who either has a very toxic, horrible relationship? Well, they're going to give you their advice from that perspective, so it's actually not going to be that helpful. So if you are going to seek advice, <laughs> go to a therapist, right? That This whole concept. This old podcast could be like, just go to a therapist, but do not seek advice from people who haven't been in your shoes because you're just going to get advice from their limited perspective or view that isn't going to be helpful to your situation. Number 18, your parents are just people too, and they are just older than you. This is actually very, very specific to number 15 of stop putting people on pedestals. Your parents are just people. They do not have all the answers. They are not 100% experts in every single facet of your life. They are not the gods. They are not the universe. They are just people that had children. As soon as you can understand that, it will create so much empathy for them, and you will understand they are doing the best with the resources they have and the situations they were put in now or when they were younger. So your parents are just people too. They're just older versions. Number 19, money and relationships are so intertwined and it's something I wish I learned about when I was younger. I've talked a lot about money on this episode and I will be doing more money episodes, but I didn't realize how much the relationship I have with money related to how I was acting in actual romantic relationships. And it is so intertwined. Same thing with the relationships with like family and coworkers and friends, your relationship with money and these relationships that you have in person and like in life are so intertwined. And I never learned about it. I never, ever learned about it. So when I was in my lowest with my money, like when I was, you know, making a ton of money, but spending the shit out of it and having no, no savings or anything, that's weirdly enough. The times that I was dating really bad guys and being treated really badly, or when I am going through something with money uh, that I'm trying to heal and then I like project it onto my current relationship. Well, that's not gonna help my current relationship. And now all of a sudden I'm bringing like money issues into my romantic uh, relationship. So it's like I actually need to heal my money issues so that I don't bring it into my romantic relationship. So they're very intertwined. And again, it's just something I wish I knew about more when I was younger. Number 20 is to manage energy and not time. Wow, 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 wow. I had just learned about this one like last month. And it is so validating to know that just because I like to work in the afternoon between like one and four, I have these big spurts of energy does not mean that I'm like a lazy person because I don't want to automatically open my laptop and get to work at 8 a.m. I don't have a lot of energy at 8 a.m. to just be like on the computer, ready to answer emails, ready to dive right in with my clients, ready to go and do a Zoom call at 9 a.m. I don't operate like that. So why would I be scheduling calls at 9 a.m. every day? If I know my energy is not going to be great, I don't want my clients to invest in me and show up to calls where my energy is shit. And I just try to get it in at 9am just for the sake of getting more calls in that day. Now, this is actually important for pretty much everything. Like if you're a business owner and you know, let's say that you have, um, for women, especially if you know your menstrual, maybe not scheduling a huge launch during your period. So this is actually a really big lesson I'm learning. Now I've been talking about cycle tracking lately on my Instagram stories and moon tracking. It has been a game changer. And I really intentionally now try to schedule my programs around my cycle, but managing your energy and not your time is actually very important in leadership. So this isn't even like a learning lesson that I made up. This is like the Harvard Business Review just talked about this, that when people can manage their energy, they're optimizing their whole experience, right? If I know I'm the best worker I can possibly be between one and four, I'm going to do the best fucking work I can between one and four. I'm going to write better emails. I'm going to create better content. I'm going to show up to my calls in a much more composed and calm way. So I'm not going to schedule things outside of those times. If I know that it's going to be a shitty email or a poor client experience or a bad piece of content, it just, it makes no sense. So manage your energy, not just your time. You guys can probably hear the dog in the back. Like I said, I'm home. So you're going to hear some things in the back. So we're going to try to get through this and hopefully he can keep his mouth shut. (laughs) Okay. So 21. Just because you can does not mean you should. I'm going to say that again. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. I'm going to use an example for my podcast. Just because I can edit and I know how to edit, just because I know how to make an audiogram, just because I know how to email guests. Doesn't mean that I should because it takes me a very long time to do all those things. And so I outsource it. If you can't outsource it, try to automate it, try to hire someone cheaper. So I guess outsourcing would be the same thing, but finding someone at a lower rate. Maybe you can just delete doing it, eliminate it from your life. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. I can do a lot of things in my business right now, right? I could be doing like a, a new masterclass every week, I could be doing a membership. I could be doing uh, an in-person retreat, uh, excuse me, not in-person because we're in the middle of COVID. I could be doing like a huge live virtual retreat. I could be doing live podcasting, like Zooming this right now and sharing the video. I could be doing so many things, but it doesn't mean I should. And I mean that because if you are listening to somebody saying, "Oh no, no, you should. You should be doing this. You should be doing this." You're constantly going to be like, "Oh my god, I'm behind. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing the retreat. I'm not doing the live video. Oh my god, am I a bad worker? Am I lazy?" If you are constantly listening to the shoulds, then you are going to start feeling really bad and behind, and just because you can doesn't mean you should. Again, going back to the podcast example, I know how to edit and do all those things, but it would take me like 5 hours. I would rather use those five hours to talk to clients and get on video and do the things I'm good at. So it just doesn't mean that I should be doing it just because I know how to. 22 is to listen to your body. Oh my gosh, your body does not lie. This is, uh, oh, I could talk about this right now. I'm like getting speechless because I'm so excited about it. But embodiment work and listening to your body is like paramount, paramount to everything you do, to relationships, to making decisions to eating, to sleeping, like your body tells you everything. And it's through signals, right? When you get a cramp or your stomach hurts or sweaty palms or goosebumps or chills or something down your spine or a feeling or whatever the case is, that is your body speaking to you, right? Like your body can't out loud verbally talk to you. So it sends you signals through all these different ways that it does. And it doesn't lie. Your body isn't here to lie to you. So And that's why the fight, flight, or freeze mode exists because that's your body reacting in a way that it knows how. And this is work that I'm doing right now with like feminine energy, with money, with so many things, with making decisions, with finances, like everything. I'm starting to listen to my body. So what I mean by that is like, let's say you're going to work with a coach. You talk to her, you have a, you have a call with her. And all of a sudden you start feeling weird, like anxiety, like not a good vibe, really weird. But you look at her page. She has great content, great testimonials. It seems like everybody that works with her is having an amazing time. But your body is like feeling like a no, like it feels like contracting. It feels tight. It feels heavy. You feel scared. You need to listen to that. You need to listen to why is that a no? Why is your body like having this physical reaction? And that's when I mean listen to your body because I see people that still will, you know, sign up with the coach or do the program. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Well, you should have listened to your body. <laughs> your body doesn't lie. And this is true with money. I am learning this right now with Tori Washington in her program called Wealth Embodiment Flow. It's actually a membership. And it is crazy the amount of energy and stories and things that are held inside my body. That have to do with money that I didn't even realize. I was like, why would money have anything to do with what's inside my body? You guys, every time I've done this wealth embodiment flow, I have released, I have cried tears, I have shed so many layers. And I'm like, where is this coming from? It's because at some point in my life, trauma or whatever was happening with financial experiences were stored in my body. And my body has been keeping up and track of them in like a record and it's ready to be released. And it doesn't lie your body does not lie. So please listen to it. 23 is that when someone says you should, you should question it. This really goes back to the point I just made a few minutes ago, but when someone says you should, the word should is just a word that it almost is like hard to believe that we use it so much because it's saying that you should. And if you don't, you're wrong, right? If I told you guys, you should listen to my podcast and my podcast only okay, that's actually very dictator vibes. That is very authoritarian. That's very uh, controlling and commanding. Now that was a very simple example. That's silly, right? But now let's use this in the context of relationships. Oh no, you should go do that for him. You need to go say this. You should have done that. Well, what do you have all the evidence? Was that person there to listen to the whole experience and they know what happened? Like, should I have done that? And then it makes you question yourself. So if you are hearing someone say you should, you should, you should, you need to ask them a question of like, why do you think that? So if someone tells me, I should be doing this in my finances, instead of saying, oh, you're right, I should ask them a question back. Oh, why do you think that? Or what's your experience with that? If someone says, you should start doing this for your health? Okay, why do you think that? What's your experience with that? Right? Ask the question back if someone says should, and question where they're coming from. 24 is to just ask more questions in general, right? I was very guilty in my early 20s of like, anybody would present something to me, and I would say yes, I would talk to a financial advisor, they would show me all these pretty charts and graphs. And all of a sudden, I said yes, and I was somehow like enrolled into insurance that I didn't even need. Or I would sign up for a gym membership just because it sounded great and fun and pretty and they, the salesperson was amazing. And then all of a sudden I was locked into like a 12-month contract that I didn't even realize was what I agreed to. And so I realized I need to ask more questions in general. If someone asks me something and it seems – or someone is presenting something and it seems too good to be true, ask a question. Like what's the catch here? Or – is there a a specific promotion period that this is over? Or how long am I actually signing up for this? Or are there fees hidden in here? Or what can I expect throughout this program, right? So I'll give you two two specific examples. Is a gym membership one. If the gym membership is like, oh yeah, it's only $5 a month and you get access to everything and blah, 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 blah. Ask a question back. Is there a minimum commitment? Is there any additional fees? can I bring a partner? Uh, How do I actually cancel if I want to cancel? What happens if I need to move, right? That's a specific example. Another one would be um, at work. If someone says, you know, you need to be, you should be using this specific software for your management, your uh, project management. Now this is, I'm thinking of my old job. So this is a specific example, right? If your company is making you use a certain software, that's different. But let's say, let's say someone's like, you should actually be taking notes on your laptop but you know that you comprehend information better with your notebook and a pen and paper like I do, well, question them. Ask more questions. Why do you think that? Is there a study that says that taking notes on the laptop is more effective than taking notes on paper? Is my performance, uh, am, am I behind? Are you Are you suggesting this because I'm not doing well at work? Like, Where is this coming from, right? So asking more questions in general is something I wish I would have done back in the day, but again, it's a learning lesson. So now going to my 30s, I'm asking way more questions. 25 is to be more resourceful. This one is really important because I really think that social media and the access we have to people has become like so low barrier that we forget how resourceful we are. I don't I can't tell you how many DMs I get about certain things that I'm like, that's actually an answer you could find on Google. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that to develop your resourceful skills. If we are in the middle of a pandemic, right? We all did not expect that. We all did not expect that it would still be going on a year later. We all had to become pretty resourceful. Like, how am I going to make money? How am I going to make rent? How am I going to do all these different things? How am I going to take care of my family? How am I going to, uh, you know, work on myself? Whatever the case is, right? You need to. You probably had to learn to be resourceful, right? You had to come up with a plan of what you were going to do. You had to figure out finances. You had to call credit card companies and your landlords and uh, I don't know, the student loans. You had to check in on it, right? So I'm using the specific example of a pandemic, but this is for everything. People ask me all the time, how did you learn about this? Guys, I used Google. I used the internet. I used all the free content. I, I read the books. I watched the videos. I listened to the podcasts. I went on YouTube. I asked questions of the people that I admired. That's how I did it. I got freaking resourceful. And this goes for like booking a podcast interview too. How do you book a podcast interview with a guest? Well, you email them. How do you email them? You can Google it. You can go to their Instagram. You can ask somebody who's had them on the podcast before and see if they have their email, right? Like get resourceful. Resourceful will help you so much in life. I cannot tell you. I feel like that's actually one of my biggest assets is I am very resourceful. And so I never feel I never really feel scared about a lot of things because I know I am resourceful and I have the skills to like figure something out. That's why during the pandemic, I could have just done nothing and freaked out and, and cried all day and watched Netflix all day and just said, my life sucks. I got resourceful and I started a freaking business. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because those skills served me so well that it was like, okay, use your skills, go on Google, ask a, ask a mentor, type a question to somebody out on Instagram and see what happens. But I would highly recommend you Google it first. Google is an amazing resource, books, podcasts, videos, all this stuff exists, so just get more resourceful. 26 is to be adaptable. This is also a lesson we all learned in 2020, right? We did not think this pandemic was going to happen, and so we had to become very adaptable. How do we adapt to our new surroundings? Can we work out at home and figure out a workout program within our room? Can we set up an office space somewhere in our in our uh, home that would make a lot of sense to create an environment for? Because now we have to work from home. Uh, can we can we get again creative and resourceful with how we do things? So being adaptable is not only helpful for obviously when a pandemic hits, but when you travel, this happens a lot. I learned this a lot when traveling. You know, let's say you packed a bag and you didn't it didn't come or or something happened. You didn't pack all the right things you wanted to. And all of a sudden you freak out. You're like, oh my God, well, I can't go on that hike because I only brought flip-flops. Or, oh my gosh, I only bought a dress. Like, why? I can't believe that. Now I can't go on a hike. I can't go outside. That's That's not being adaptable or resourceful. So if that's what happened, let's use that travel example. Okay, you only bought flip-flops? Let's just go to a cheap store and get tennis shoes. Or you know what? Why don't you just skip the hike and then we'll regroup for dinner? Or you know what? Maybe you can borrow someone's tennis shoes on the trip. Or maybe you don't need tennis shoes. Maybe you need water shoes that you can get for cheap at a cheap store nearby, right? This Be it resourceful and adaptable are kind of one and the same, but I think it's important to be adaptable as well so that you're not always freaking out when situations don't go your way. 27 is be, opening to, be open to how a vision unfolds. When you get so obsessed with the outcome of how it's going to look, you are actually hurting yourself. You're hurting your vision because you're trying to control it. Don't you think if you could control everything in life, you would have figured it out by now? If you could control exactly how your love life would unfold, you would have had it all figured out. If you could control exactly your relationship with money and how much you make, you wouldn't be worried about money. If you could control where you lived and how you lived your life, then you wouldn't be doing the things that you're doing, right? Like this whole concept of controlling our vision and how it comes out, you're when you control it too much, you're really like poisoning it almost because you're saying that there's only one way to do this. It's my way or the highway. There's only one specific way. So these, this lesson ties into like twenty five too of being more resourceful and being adaptable is like, actually be open to how it will unfold. You know, when I met my boyfriend, I was not going out to meet a boyfriend that night. I was going out to have some fun with some people. And when I met him and he came up to our table, we had a good conversation. And then we just kept hanging out and taking everything day by day, just seeing how it would go. And then we started dating. If, if you told me now, Chelsea, you're going to live with your boyfriend in Germany, you guys are going to be a great, secure, healthy couple, would I have thought that it turned out the way it did based on the way we met? And did I think I could control it? Did I think I was going to go out in Byron Bay and meet him and develop this whole relationship with him? No, I didn't know. I had to be open to how it would unfold. So when you're controlling things and trying to unfold it in a specific way, you're just limiting the opportunities and how it could happen, right? So if I use the relationship example, if I was like, no, I'm going to be my future boyfriend, In an office or at work or at a yoga class, and that's the only way I'm gonna meet him because I want him to be this, this, or this, then I'm actually just throwing away any opportunity. And now I'm only looking at a yoga studio or an office or a place that I wanted to meet him instead of being open to the idea that maybe I could bump into him as soon as I leave my house. Maybe he's the person that is my next door neighbor. Maybe it's someone that I bump into in the corner of the street, right? But if you try to unfold it in a certain way, you're limiting the opportunity for that to happen. So be open to how the vision will unfold. 28 is being open to doing things different ways. There is not one right way. If there was one right way, we'd all be doing it, right? <laughs> if there was one right way to, to handle one as finances, we'd all be doing it. If there was one right way to build a company, we would have all done it. If there was one right way to be in a relationship, we would have all done it. This concept of right and wrong is also a funny human concept because there's not one way to do it. Like Look at the way people have built their businesses. Some have built them on memberships. Some have built them on products. Some have built them on doing one-on-one work. Some have built them making passive income. Some have built them by by selling videos, right? Like there's so many ways to do things. So if you think that things can only be done one right way, you're also limiting your vision again. So be open to doing things different ways. This is actually a really good lesson for entrepreneurs too, is when I got in the coaching industry, I always saw this model that people did, that it was like mastermind, group, a little bit of one-on-one and like, that's it. And now that I'm in it, I'm like, there are so many other ways to do things. Like, why do I have to do it that one way? Why can't I do it this way? Why can't I package it up differently? And I can, I have to make that decision. So be open to doing things different ways and you will see that there's not one right way. Two more lessons to go. Okay. So 29 people just want you to listen to them and they don't need advice or guidance every damn time this is this is one of the biggest ones. I'm like talking directly to myself right now because I grew up in a, in a household where my parents were so supportive and always giving me advice. And I listened to them. That's how I, that's the skills I took. Those are the skills I took into my job. And then my job, it was always finding a solution, right? I was in sales. How can we find a solution? How can we make this happen? And then when I got into coaching, it was definitely how to find a solution. How can we make this happen? How can I guide you? Where can I give you advice? in everyday life, people don't need that every single time that they talk to you. And I used to do this all the time. People would tell me one thing like, Oh, my coworker is so annoying. And I would jump into like, Oh, have you talked to them? Have you pulled them aside and, and had a conversation? Is there a way can you work through this? And they're like, yeah, but I'm just trying to vent right now. And this is a really big lesson that people don't want your advice all the time. They don't need your advice all the time. You don't always have to have the answer they genuinely just want somebody to listen and witness them and see them and hear them. This is why, again, I love therapy because I can just talk to them and then they can give me advice if I'm seeking it or they will just validate me and say, yeah, that sounds really hard. That sounds really challenging. It sounds like that was rough. And I'm learning about listening skills and not providing solutions every time. Also with my clients. I, I talked about this a little bit. One of my recent Instagram posts was like, I used to feel like I used to have to pull tricks out of the bag for every single client. And even in relationships, I had to pull every single skill I had out to impress somebody instead of just like listening and having a conversation. They don't need advice. They don't need guidance. They don't need, your, they don't need you to be their savior every single conversation that you have with them. And this is a huge one. People just want you to listen to them. And the final lesson I have is to build confidence, in my opinion, is to have integrity and doing what you say you will and listening to your intuition. I've talked about this a lot in Instagram stories and my Instagram TV, that I feel like whenever you break a promise to yourself or do something that you don't want to do or say yes to something, you're hurting your confidence, right? I feel like confidence comes from you validating yourself and approving of yourself. So if you make a decision and you didn't want to make that decision, well, then that's not validating yourself. That's actually going directly against yourself. I'll use three specific examples. The first one is when Game of Thrones came out, this is such a funny example. Everybody was obsessed with it. I tried to watch it. I couldn't get into it. And it just became the cool thing, right? Everybody loves Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones hype, Game of Thrones memorabilia, Game of Thrones podcast. And I was like, I'm just not getting into it. I'm not going to watch it. And I actually felt very confident after saying that. Because I was like, you know what? If I made myself sit down and get through all the seasons just to be able to join this whole Game of Thrones conversation, that's actually going against what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do that. I just don't want to do it, and I don't need to explain that anymore. That's it. Period. I don't want to watch it, and it felt me. It, I felt like it helped build my confidence because I was validating my own opinion and my own self. Now, let's say you go to a restaurant. Here's another example. And you want a gluten-free bun and them to hold the tomatoes. But you're like, I don't want to be annoying. Oh my God, that's so crazy. I don't want to go, I don't know. I just don't want to be annoying. Well, now you're going to end up with a meal where you're eating a gluten bun that you didn't want and you don't like tomatoes. Now you're eating tomatoes. So of course you're not going to be happy with that meal because you're like, there's two things on here that I didn't even want. And now you're hurting your confidence, right? Like that's not validating yourself. You're actually going against yourself. Last example I'll use is with dating let's say you're like, I really don't want to date a smoker. It's just a non-negotiable for me. I don't want anybody to smoke. And then the next guy that comes around, he seems like a good guy, but he's a chain smoker and he doesn't plan on quitting anytime soon. He's like, hell no, love smoking. That's my thing. I smoke, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll just stick with it. Well, once again, you're going against yourself and you're going to hurt your self-esteem and confidence because you're not doing what you said you will. Listen to your intuition make decisions based on what you are feeling. Again, listen to your body and have the integrity to follow through and do what you say you will. If you say you are not going to date a smoker, don't date a smoker. If you say you are not going to, um, I don't know, if you say you want to go to a restaurant and request a meal, then request the meal. I really feel like confidence actually is about following through with what you say. So I really, really love this last example and this last lesson because when people tell me I have confidence, I, it's a compliment because I'm like, again, I worked on it a lot. I had to work on being clear with people. When I go to the nail salon, I didn't like it speaking up and saying, actually, could you file this differently? Again, that's a very specific example. But like, that's how I built confidence was little by little, little, little baby steps, After asking the nail salon to file differently, asking for a specific order at a restaurant, trying things out with friends and saying like, hey, I actually don't want to do that. Or no, I'm no, I don't really feel like joining in on that plan listening to myself and my body, that helped me develop confidence. And that was one of the biggest lessons I learned in my thirties. So that is it. Woo. We just got through 30 lessons in 30 years. I would love to hear which one's your favorite. Shoot me a DM at Chelsea Rife, and definitely screenshot this episode and upload it to your Instagram stories and tell me which one was your favorite. Like I said, I think I could make every single one of these a podcast episode, and there are definitely a few in here that I will make full solo episodes, but let me know which one you want me to make a solo episode. So if there's a lesson that's really sticking out to you and you know you want to hear more about it, shoot me a message and I'm happy to do more episodes and content around it. You can always visit my Instagram at Chelsea Rife or at non-expert opinion pod. I love to hear your feedback, your questions, your thoughts around the episodes. You can visit ChelseaRife.com or hello, excuse me, or in my non-expert opinion.com, or you can email hello at my next non-expert opinion.com. Woo, you guys can see I'm like losing some brain power here. These solo episodes can be a lot of energy. So going back to one of my lessons of like managing your energy, I'm taking a break right after this because this is a long episode where I had to talk by myself. So I'm going to wrap it up as always reviews are greatly appreciated. They are like words of affirmation for podcasters and honestly, they're like payment for podcasters. Many of us do this for free. And so all this content is something that we just love to channel and share. And so all we ask for in exchange is a review. They mean the world. I don't think people realize how much reviews mean. We love them. That is literally like our form of payment, our word of affirmation. The reason we show up every week and do these podcasts is the reviews. We love to see them. So leave a review. And next week, I'm actually going to share something that I will be providing to anybody that leaves a review. So stay tuned for next week. And again, let me know what was your biggest takeaway here out of these 30 lessons in 30 years, and be sure to sign up for Lover, which kicks off February 11th, the two-hour masterclass all about getting closer to yourself in love and in partnership, and then stay tuned for my one-on-one opening February 15th. All right, guys, with that, I will see you next week.